0: I don't take lightly this chos of being able to sit in front of such a chasuva beloved sibur, and I certainly don't take lightly this chos of being able to sit next to someone who's so, so, so devoted and so intelligent and so insightful about all in of Chenach. And most of all, when it comes to a Kaelish, most of all, We do this thing when we speak; we pat each other on the back. You might think it's like a cute thing, but the truth is, we do it in private also. We have a lot of we have a lot of nachas from each other. Um, and I was thinking today that the thing that I'm the most most grateful for is that I I put in a call to Rabbi Kalish earlier today, maybe we could discuss the questions for a few minutes. I didn't really expect that we were going to. Rabbi tried to call me back and he didn't get through, and then I tried to call him back and I didn't get through, and then we had a short, brief conversation. And the thing that shone through, and that I'm very, very grateful for, is the comfort that we both feel sitting next to each other, talking about in <laughs> Yom Khinna. And by the way, not because we're going to say the same things, it may be some people complained last year that we, we agree too much, it took away a little bit maybe of the excitement, but it's, you have to realize, maybe even we didn't agree and you didn't realize, because it's not so exciting to us whether we agree or disagree, that's not the Nakuta. What's exciting to us is that we get to, to sit together and to speak with such a special tzibur about such unbelievable topics. Chinuch is not, let me just say what Chinuch is. Chinuch is not how do I pressure my children to do what I want them to do? Chinuch is not, how, I, my kids don't listen to me, how do I get them to listen? All of those things are important questions that, that maybe could come out from the study of Chinuch sometimes. But Chinuch is an almost untouchable, undefinable moment, and hopefully many moments that we have with our children, with our Talmidim, with younger siblings, with neighbors. Chinuch is a very broad topic. And it's, it's that moment where there's something going on that's, that's, that you know it. You know chin when you hit it, when you, when you're walking to shul on the, on the, on a Shabbos morning and your son slips his hand into your coat pocket and asks you a question that you realize is a little bit vulnerable and you make yourself a little vulnerable, and you respond, and there's a father-son moment there. For a second, you've experienced chinuch. Chinuch is when a child is not well, and and he's sitting in his bed, and he's been home from school for a few days, and Tati comes home from work, and instead of getting involved in all the things he gets involved with, he goes upstairs first thing to see how his daughter or his son is feeling, and that child feels like I am the most important person in my parents' life, That moment was a moment of chinoch. And the MS is that, and this is really the point that I wanted to make before we start, is that very often you're going to find that the question is the answer. What do I mean by that? You're very often going to find that the tznadim of the question, we're going to sit here saying, Yitaka, you have to know. It's taka, one of those two tznadim. You talk. I have to know. You have to be my. And is it like? And, and sometimes we could say, is it like this? Is it like that? But the truth is that the the discussion, the the, the talking about it, the thinking about it, that's the chinoch. We're not going to say the question is the answer because we're afraid to say things that maybe somebody will have a, a, a difficulty with. Both of us are happy in this business if we we would let that control what we say and what we don't say. The, the point is that things are so complex and so subtle that sometimes it might sound like you asked a question and the answer was, good question. But there's something there and we will bring out, hopefully with Hashem's help, the Yisodes that, that, that are part of this conversation and the, uh, the Chinuch, a little bit like they say in Hashem Refutner, that he said that some topics you have to talk," he said. "Arum on arum us You talk around and around until you can smell it. You, chinuch is the type of thing that you talk about and talk about and talk about and talk about until you start to sense. I think I know what chinuch is. Hashem should give us the siyata Shmaya to be able to be mechave into the, the, the to the emes of what the Torah wants from us, and that this kinos that's l'shem shamayim, should be his that we should all be matzliach. To achieve that unbelievably subtle thing called
1: Chanukah with all of our children and our talmidei. A to a thank you to Rabbi Wisniewski who last year already arranged this and he pushed it that once again we should have this mayim on Chanukah. We're all being mekayim this chag, this mayim would be mekayim our mitzvahneres Each of us, our families, lighting our menorah and creating a beautiful light in our own homes that shines out onto the Rosh Hashanah, that shines out onto the street. is extremely appropriate on this time to get together and talk in Yann Echenuch, the house. We were to come together here. We still are both very, very young. I just won one of my first volleyball tournaments in my life in Berlin, And we still both feel very, very young, but we came into this city together 23 years ago, a lot younger, and and we've watched with Siyata D'shmaya. We've watched tremendous kindness of Hashem. It's it's a miracle what happens to go into to go to local establishments, from schools to the school to to the food places, and I meet tons of people. I meet people regularly that I don't know yet, and I'm not saying they know yet. The growth of this sh'tah is, is something remarkable. And there are so many traits that are in the city very, very firmly, that are incredible things, that are very, very firmly in the Stadt. And I want to speak about one nekudah as the start to tonight's discussion of chenuch. There's something that's built into our city that I, I love it. And I'm thankful to have raised my six children, raised and raising my children in this city. It's a feature of our city. That was brought here 23 years ago that like started on this. This is built in. And I see it very, very strongly in our city. The importance of every single person. I feel like my children got such respect from adults, they mattered and counted. There's some very foreign cultures that maybe especially youngsters that pushed aside and ignored. And I can say on each of my children. Reb Penny Spirit was a big person from kibitzing with them, from giving them attention. Reb Aaron Beller, have David Stein. The people of the community have such a respect to each child, to each person in the city that, that's built into our city. And I've seen it with all the kids. We have Nachas. A kid, one of the, one of the Bach, when they come back from Yeshiva, it was interesting. The Gabbay, it was in this shul, and all the shuls of the community, run this way. Nobody needed to send anything into the Gabbai. All the returning got aliyahs the week that they came back from yeshiva. And there was an honest excitement. There was an excitement to see the Bacharim coming back from yeshiva. I remember one of the girls in the community start with, first was getting her license. She was driving through the blue ridge streets from Bedafka, who came to the other side, back to all one side. And we all, like, people had nachas. We called her parents. Wow, well, your daughter's learned to drive. She did a pretty good job. Maybe a little help on the K turn. Whatever, the Shmak, There's a tremendous respect for each and every person. Everybody counts. Everybody's important. And I just think that a gathering on Chinuch, everything's discussed, and we were warned to give short introductions, not so long, I'm really like seven minutes over the introduction time. But really, just that there's a moment, before anything's discussed, and certainly I've been Zoichat for years to hear tremendous things from Rai Sunshine. I want to share things that I've learned. I want to share things that I've learned from people here, things I've experienced. But just that we're gathered together, because the chinuch of our children, every one of our children, is precious. Every, we value every single person, and we want to do our best job. In being the and bringing all our children to the Emes, to Tarek, to a beautiful Yiddishkeit. So, just that there's a mindset on Hanukkah, that we all get together, we're proclaiming something. The mindset, before any of the specifics, is claiming the importance of every single person in the community. And this is something that we want always, for always to be the value of the community. Every single person counts. I hope we're becoming a big shtad. You might feel a Shalom zacher is in, a, in, a, in a bigger city, by a Shalom Zachar, so people come in waves. You sing your song, and then the next group comes and meets some artists and sings, and the next group. In a small shtad each person stays, and it ends when the island leaves, so people stay much longer. I don't know if, and I'm not saying that forever people have to stay the longest at Shalom Zachars, but I like the picture, a child was born, we're all there, we just, we eat Arbus for hours and saying, "A child was born." We all and I want that that us so if each person is important and counts. That should remain in our city. the This this value should stay in our city, and from here it should be a light on the world. It should shine out to all cities, to all members of Klal The importance of every single person. Let's get on and talk about together. Thank
2: you for the beautiful words. Uh, our first really good segue from what Robert was saying is um, this is purely theoretical. So the first, the first uh, section is competing values between my home versus neighbors and friends. So I'm going to read. There are six questions in this section. I'm going to read the first three, I think, and then the fourth maybe a follow-up. OK, the first question is, what is the best way to combat competing values that a child may pick up from outside the home? The second one is, should we discourage a child from choosing a friend who is from a background with different Hashikatic standards? If yes, how do I address this in a way that minimizes resentment for both those children? And number three is, how do you identify when someone is or is not potentially a negative influence? And how can we tell if someone's growth has been impacted by negative influences? Is there a way to show acceptance and respect while protecting other children from positive, possible negative influence? Is, is it different if we are actively involved in trying to mentor, guide, or be a caring person?
1: I wanna, I wanna address the first question, Gabriel. I wanna say this is a very appropriate. My one of my neighbors, I'm too old for Israel Gabriel, and certainly there, I just want my kids to pick up. I want my kids to pick up the influences from that neighbor. But I wanna quote a passer that talks about this pasif. And I think this pasif is something that I want to communicate. Any serious person, any, who thinks about the topic of making their home a fortress and their dangerous values out there, And any serious person asks, how do I safeguard my house? I don't have one friend. We're all a Chaburu. We're a group of friends. And being honest, of course, we have precious ideals and values we want to hand to our children. And the natural thoughts is, I want to keep out dangerous values and and foreign forces. How do I protect my house properly? That is a completely, completely natural thought. (coughs) And this, this question is what I want to address in the following way. The pasuk says that there's a sword, are clanking. Outside is the battle of swords. And there's fear inside the houses. It's talking about, it's a very scary psocket about Gullos. And it describes dangerous forces outside of the house. But in the house as well, there is fear. There's bad feelings in the house. And I want to say that any thought of keeping out outside influences—the main thing a person has to do is make it happy in the home. When it's mechadar and ema, then you have problems. There's a big problem inside; it's not safe, and outside is death. You have real problems when it's michtutz. The cherub is there, but inside is ema. The best shmir in the world, and the only serious conversation of keeping outside things out, is if it's very happy and positive and delightful and wonderful inside. And all of us have to ask ourselves, we all have many things in our life, is the home a wonderful place? And to all of us, in our own ways, to make sure the home is a very happy and positive place. When the home is very, very happy and positive, then our protective measures, our we will have to have protective measures, but it has to start there to remove the Mechadar the fear and the bad feelings inside the house. So I think when we speak about cherub, we speak about competing values, we certainly want to create good values in the home. In order to fortify and make sure that those good values are kept and people are interested in keeping and staying within these walls, the inside has to be wonderful. So I want to say that as an introduction to this question. Thank you very much. I could not, uh, I, I I could not
0: emphasize enough how how important this this insight is about about the happiness the happiness and the comfort and the sense of safety in the house. I just want to say something practical, a, a practical idea based on what Rabbi Kalish said. Um, Many years ago, when we first moved to Waterbury, we had a we had chassan, Yisrael Majeski got married in, in California, and there was a very, very prominent mechanach there. And I sat down with him because I had heard that he raised a beautiful, beautiful family out of town at a time, that there weren't so many b'nei teira, now where Hashem is in Yisrael, but at the time, there weren't so many, and and he was so matzliach that I went over to him and I said, I just moved out of town, can you give me some advice? And he took it very seriously and he said, it was like, and I was like, come here, sit down, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the advice. And he told me three things, but one of them is directly related and it's a little bit of a practical outgrowth of what Rabbi Kalish said, and that was he said that it's important to create a pride that's called our family, not to the exclusion of other families, but it's geschmack to be in our family. And Chanukah is coming, maybe you're going on a trip with your children. Our family goes on great trips. We have the Tati bought special treats for our family. There's a certain pride, not just our family's to follow of through. Our family's meeting is the first monk, no, 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 don't start there. Our family has so much fun and so much excitement. Our family is so funny. Our family has the klutziest stories, whatever it is, but our family, he was telling me in Yiddish, Unzerfamilia was telling me, our family, and whatever family it is, but to take a certain pride that this is what we do in our family, and you'll see that as the family matures, the older siblings will give it over to the younger siblings, that pride, of whatever it is that's unique and special about our family. Just to note about this, um, before I hand it back to Gabriel and Yashukaya for taking on this, uh, this, this job, I feel like you're the real speaker of the night, and um, it's just important to realize it's true that Sviva is a very, very important thing, it's true. It's true that things could affect our children, it's true. You won't find anyone that says, no, it's not true. Of course it's true. But there are two things that are important to keep in mind. Number one is that life involves meeting people that aren't like you. And if you take your children, it's a little bit like like the world is going through this uh, the, the, the flu and all the viruses this winter are very, very stark, they're saying because everyone was shut down for so long that they don't have the immunities. That's, what, that's what's been going on. If we take our children and we, lead, lead, and we let them be, you know, chemically sanitized from anything that's different than they grew up with, you are giving them a handicap that they will be unable in life to the <coughs> Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but But it's very likely that our children are going to go to work one day. I think that's such a likely possibility. It's likely that they'll have to move somewhere. It's likely that they'll have a neighbor that's not Jewish. It's likely that they'll have a chavrusa that comes from a different background than them. It's likely that they'll have a janitor that cleans up the yeshiva that's different than the way that they. All those things are very, very likely. And if I'm going to. Create a matzah where anytime there's any possibility that my children are going to be exposed to anything different, I make sure to stand guard like this. So then it's like I'm carrying them. If I carry my baby the entire his entire life, and he's never going to learn how to walk. Does that mean that we should? Gabriel's telling me to stop. Does that mean I'm stopping? Does that mean that we should? Does that mean that I should? I should say to um, to my children, go out on the street and and get uh, immunized. Of course not, of course it's a balance, but it's important to realize that our children being acquainted with the fact that people are different and there are different types of people under our guidance and with us teaching them how to do that is teaching them the
1: reality of life.
2: Sure. So then, then, if I could do question two for a
1: minute. Very, sure. Very briefly, I don't want to... Rev. Gabriel has a job to keep us moving. I wanted to say something on question too. The question too, I'm very much in the Sunshine just told us. For many, many years, parents would come to the Masifta and I would hear the question about influences. And something bothered me a lot when they would ask the question, these are good people, wonderful people, and asked me an honest question. I'm worried about influences, and they're coming from a place. Adam a person's impacted by his environment. And and something bothered me about the question. And I've asked it many times. And I decided to think. I said said to myself then, your own kids, you're afraid. As they're growing up, you're careful who their friends are. It's something my wife and I speak about. So when you're getting frustrated, I was forced. There are times your gut tells you something, and you struggle to put words to it. So I did a lot of thinking. What is bothering you? They're saying something. I'm worried about influences. So I did a lot of thinking, and I want to say my conclusion. I'm using the words from somebody I hold from the great mechanechim of the generation today, and he, the words are his words, Bar Shekivanti, the idea I was having to, When I was asked the question repeatedly, and I felt something was wrong, I wanted the following words. When you're younger, friendships form you, When you're older, you form friendships. Allow me to explain that for a minute. When our kids are young, the friends they hang out with are part of forming them. And as such, we're very careful who they hang out with. As we get older, we have to actively learn to engage the world. I'm thankful my son's in yeshiva. There are many rooms in yeshiva. And each door presents another adventure. They're all different rooms, of all different types. And I'm thankful that my son has an awareness, that my children have a proactive ability to enter different rooms, every room, and learn and develop a way to interact with the world. It's not all defense, of course, says Shmira, of course. But at some point, we have to treat our children. They're no longer five, six, and seven. He's 16 and 17. The rest of his life, does he know how to actively engage the world? How to form friendships? With whom to form friendships? In what way he's going to interact with the world of people? And I feel like a lot of that question influences, is is not giving people tools, is constantly protecting, which should be there, but not the active ability to say, time of teaching somebody, how do you form relationships? So for older children. For older people,
2: this part has to be part of what we teach, the act of engaging the world, and how to engage all the different people in their life. Mm-hmm. So, question. so question number five, is it ever appropriate to rebuke someone else's child, or do you need to speak to the parents? And number six is, how should someone be mechaimed? So I think this one is from a red. or a How should someone, be the opposite. Way. How should someone be a child in a certain aspect of Yiddishkeit right? when one of the parents outwardly struggle with that aspect? And he gives examples. A father doesn't dive into the dominion or go to learn, he's always on the phone, or the mother isn't so tsunua, or always on the phone and constantly speaks lush heart.
0: Okay. Um, is it ever appropriate to rebuke someone else's child, or do you need to speak to the parent? The short answer is that it's not appropriate to a group to rebuke someone. I'm not, if you're a Rebbe and you were given these children, so then, I don't know if rebuke is the word, but, we're, but of course you're there to teach them. I'm understanding the question that that my son comes in in the middle of Kriya Satayurah and says that uh, that your son hit him over the head. So I go out to teach your son not to hit my son. That That's the, which comes up all the time. So that in general, unless the exception being if I have to, Of course, the safety of my child is is first and foremost. We're not talking about everybody understands that someone has to make sure that their children are safe. But beyond that, I I think that all of us who are working hard to be Machanech our children would feel very uncomfortable with someone else walking over to be Machanech them. They don't know the challenges. They don't know what they're working on. They don't know what's difficult at home. They don't know the chinuch that I just gave them. They don't know if it was a hard time at home this morning, or if they already got some musr today. And it's not, I, I do not think that it's appropriate to to, to, to to rebuke, I'm using the word, Gabriel, of the question, to rebuke someone else's child that's not, if I am close to, if, if, if like like over here in Waterbury, in this shul, in our shul, where we feel like a mishpacha, and I might friends' children, I feel like mishpacha to him, we can schmooze about things, of course, that's wonderful. But but to, to give musr, that I'm gonna go over and tell uh, Rabbi Shon, and not, his children never talk in children, because he has a module. Rabbi Shon's son, I walk over and say, you know, during Kriya Satayra, you shouldn't talk. No, 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 that's Rabbi Shon's business. I can go over to him, maybe, and that's what it says, the other side is, or do you need to speak to the parent? I'm not sure I'm asking to the other side either. <laughs> Because who, what made it my thing to be kaveya, what you should be your children. Again, if we're and I care about you, and we have that relationship, then I could do it. If it's about my child's safety, then of course I have to go to the other parent. But if it's not about my child's safety, we have to trust each other. We're all trying to do a good job to be our children. And all of us have things going on that our friends don't know about. So we have to be aware of that. I do, I do want to mention, that, that there's an area here that comes up all the time that's very, very important, a related area, which is which is when, when, when my friend's children are in my house, I can't assume anything about what the parents' standards are in terms of exposure to technology and things like that. It's very, very important. If I decided for my children it's okay to watch certain videos, that's not, that's not an excuse for me to pass in that my friend's children also can watch those videos. And it's very, very important that whatever I'm going to do with, with when my children have friends over, I have to be in touch with the parents, call the parents, and say, in our home, we watch Uncle Maishi. And we want to know. some par- I've heard from parents in this community that they don't want their children watching not even Uncle Marishi. so. Not a, you, you, that could sound very extreme to you, or it could sound, or well, maybe you're the one that I'm referring to. But, but, but I have to respect my chavayim. Oh. Can I
2: throw in a question? That's my to be, Exactly. What you're saying. If we allow our child to watch some videos, is it preferable to watch children's non-Jewish videos like PBS Kids, which they understand is not Torah-based, or should they watch the Jewish videos where Yiddishkeit may be portrayed in ways that are not within my or just in silly ways that might slight it, and then it's harder to explain to your kids what is Jewish from or correct and what's not. I just thought it was interesting to throw that in. Well, no, thank you, question. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: this is one of those questions that that like I, I feel like good question. You know, that that's, that, that are both good studen. um Our children are going to our go anything that we show our children unless we speak to them about. I think we have to. We have to develop the type of relationship with them and speak to them that they feel, that they're open to hearing that I'm showing them something that I don't agree with. That itself is a big kasher. I don't feed them food that's poisonous to them. So I'm showing them something and I'm saying, by the way, you understand, that's terrible for you. What did I just do? So it's something that we have, to, we have to be done, and again, it doesn't mean that we should never do it. I'm not saying anything, and I don't plan to tonight say anything about videos, it's too, it's too detailed. Maybe Rabbi Kalish will have something to say, but it's too detailed, I feel like, to, to, to say. You know, it's too many different mishpachas with different needs and different backgrounds to be able to say such a thing but certainly there needs to be that relationship the kash of the am I'm not avoiding it I'm saying both studied are right studied sometimes the is a thing that we could just say oh that's a, that's a gai sometimes that's better sometimes the yiddish thing is better at least it's all among us you know so it's, it's, you know that that's also true okay let's let's two. Let you know. it
2: was a well, just the time you go to the next section? See, it's a subset, really, of the first one, so the second one. Number two is material necessities versus luxuries and children keeping up with the Jones. With so should I read the first, I'll the first You questions. know,
0: let, um, let me just, the, I, I, I really want to really dump the whole section two onto Derbeck Kalish. So, so, um, so let me just comment in terms of the, the um, certain aspect of Yiddishkeit, when one of the parents outwardly struggles with that aspect, because li- that piece of it is a little different than the, than the section two. The, I just want to, this comes up all the time, and I went through it myself with things that I wasn't so good at. And I was raising my children, and I'm trying to be them to do things, and I know that I'm not there yet. It was the funniest thing before. We were driving here. We were getting ready to drive here. And my daughter was at home, and she was, Sitting on the floor with her friend, playing a game on the floor, and I was trying to get her to get ready to leave because we were leaving the house. So my wife is by hasana so I was trying to get her to leave because we, we were leaving, and she was very involved in her game. So I was like, Hindi, stop what you're doing, and I'm suddenly I stopped. I'm like, I'm about to speak about Khinoch. Maybe I should do this the right way, you know? But you know, we're, we're, it's it's very difficult to teach our children not to get angry when we get angry, or to daven with a minion when we're not davening with a minion. It is a very, very difficult thing. It doesn't pater us. We have to still be of them. I just want to mention, and I am curious what Rakelis uh, uh, thinks about this, but I, I do think that there needs to be an authentic, vulnerable masa mata between the parents and the children. For me to just make believe I'm perfect about it, you know, like a parent says, "Screaming, don't get angry." You know, like that's not much of a of. So there needs to be an authentic, vulnerable masa umata between the parents and the children in order to do that. And just I know that I'm going to make some people unhappy, but I want to say one thing here: that that um, I don't want what I'm about to say to be misunderstood at all. I don't. I'm going to use a muscle. I want to use. A, I want to use a muscle but because this mushal is very, very, very clear. It's a very, very clear mushal, okay? So the, the mushal is like this, okay? Um, some people, some people, I, I, again, I, I, you'll hear the mushal, you'll see what I mean. Some people in the community wear hats to Daveni. Some people in the community do not wear hats to Daveni. Let me be very clear. I have no comment about that. Okay, I have no comment about that. Right now, where I sit right now, to be honest with you, I could not care less. Okay, that's not my point. Okay, are we clear about that? Okay, that is not, I'm using it as a muscle, and it's not my point, okay? I love you, I care about you, I'm happy. Wear a hat or don't wear a hat, it makes zero difference. (coughs) 10 people that don't wear a hat is also a minion. Okay, we clear? Okay. But I want to say something though. My son is becoming bar mitzvah, and he's going to yeshiva, and they're telling him in yeshiva that he needs to wear a hat. And I want him to get into a good mesifta, and they're gonna ask, does he wear a hat? So I'm telling my son, while I'm waiting in the car without my hat, I'm saying, go back and get your hat. Something doesn't, maybe this will be the thing our disagrees about. Something bothers me about that. Something bothers me about that, that I'm saying, I'm the vater on it, it's not so important to me, but you better do it. Do as I say, not as I do. Something bothers me about it, especially when it's something that Lamaisa. let's be realistic. It's not such a big deal to change. Whatever we want our children to do, we should do. Again, you have another alternative. You can tell your children not to wear a hat. I'm just as happy, okay? I'm Just, just as, the Tanaya. that's not my point at all. Okay? My point just is, let's not raise our children to do something while they know that we're doing different things. Even when it's little things, the chinop just doesn't work. <laughs> I
1: want to I wanna share something that I've seen from my sunshine for years, and my, my Rebbe that I chose One of the biggest factors why I chose him as a Rebbe, as a youngster, was was based on question six. I want to read the words. Whoever, the, the questions in general are great. I want to read the words to you, question six. How should someone be a child in a certain aspect of Yiddishkeit when one of the parents outwardly struggle with that aspect? Now whoever wrote it's a very sensitive person they didn't say one of the parents fails in that aspect. They said struggles in that aspect. Now, they could have written it more tough, and they could have said, how can you your child, if you or your wife, fail in that aspect? But they wrote, if you struggle in that aspect, and I think it was excellently written. All the time, I see things in my kids that are better than me at many, many things I see in my kids. And I think anybody who's raised children can see in our kids outdo us any many stuff. And I think a huge point to parents is that you're allowed to struggle. You're allowed to struggle and be honest and real and authentic in the struggle. My own rebbe, I clearly to me, I chose him at a very young age. I was not aymid aldaity. I was very very young. I didn't have everything so clear. And I asked myself what drew me to him. And he was vulnerable and spoke about his own weaknesses in ways I had never heard anybody do. He spoke about his own struggle. I had never, it was like so honest. It was refreshing. It was like the first person who taught me like things that I was feeling and struggles and all different things inside. It's taken many, many years. And I'm just understanding it more and more. And there's, there's a generation that is craving authenticity, is craving it, honesty and realness. It's what kids today are craving. I've seen this in Rari Sunshine himself, and I've seen it with his Taliban and his children. And our own honesty that we're struggling, we absolutely can be Mechanic. I actually think somebody not struggling with something can't be Mechanic, their children. If you, if you tell your son, Mrs. Shachs, I can't believe a Bachar with Meshachris, you are not the mechanech. I would re say the question how can a person be Machanach his child if he's not struggling in that manner? <laughs> I would re say, you can only be Machanach your child in a manner that you're struggling in. Only. Only. <clears throat> till you understand the struggle, till you get it. I want, I'm going to tell a personal story. I'm going to tell this. i taking long. I want to tell you one of my, one of my greatest, but a mistake in I made. I want to share this with you. There was somebody I'm very, very close to who wasn't speaking to his father. He wasn't speaking to his father. I'm a young mechanic and I want to be a hero. I want to return him to dad. And I put tremendous pressure on this youngster to talk to his father. Keep it out! And I pressured him like crazy. Fast forward 20, 23 years. Fast forward a lot of years of said. I, I've apologized to this person a couple of times. An apology, I feel so badly how wrong I was. I should have asked myself, why isn't he talking to his dad? I'm pushing him. It's normal." And his father wanted to talk to him. I didn't try to understand. Was anything I was teaching true if I didn't understand? Who am I being mechanic if I don't understand? And I have tremendous, tremendous arat, and I've apologized to him. I was pushing something. I should have spent time. Today I would try to understand. Why aren't you talking? Explain. Again. And I, I, I struggle with emotions. I didn't grow up a lot with that. And I'm trying and working. It's, it's a new generation that's, that's dealing very deep places inside of us and teaching us to, to get deep places inside of us. Why aren't you talking? We get to the better and deeper and more. So this question, only something you struggle on is where you can teach your children. I see very often. I see parents sabal and the kids' struggles. And I have found often that the parent, maybe it could come from some insecurity. You relate. You understand. Be open. Don't be afraid. Be secure enough to share with your child your own struggles, your own journey. Our children know we struggle. They can know we struggle. We're also human. We're amazing, but we're amazing humans. And precisely that we do struggle and, and have built and have struggled, continue uh, continued struggle and work is the best places that will mechanic our children. So that's I wanted to share that point. That struggling parents are the ones who are the best mechanic for our children, all the areas that we struggle, and the ones we don't, we can understand their struggle and be mechanic. So I would agree, if I was asking the panel, I would ask my such, if I don't struggle, can I still be mechanic, my child? And my answer would be yes, if you can understand his struggle. Well, we want our kids to have
2: confidence in us. Is there any point that you're risking their, them respecting you and having confidence that they have a parent that they can look up towards if you're showing them your struggles so often? I
1: think robots are hard to respect. I think people respect <laughs> work. I'm told that real people. We're authentic people. I see to me people are craving this. They're craving it. It rings, it feels, it, it, it resonates with somebody's work through and processing. It's what drew me, my own rebbe and it took me years. To I was drawn to what it mattered to me and remains important to me because he admitted to struggle, to serious struggle. It's not to
0: say that there are no, there are no, there, there are no boundaries between a father and a son. A father could tell his son, um, you know, I struggle with minyan and then the son will be like, you know, Tati, I think you struggle with a lot of other things also. But I'm sorry, but that's not your place. You know, there's such a thing, of course, the father, you know, but, but, but just the struggling thing, you know, when, when, my, when my oldest son became Bar Mitzvah, so I was, I, was, I was young, and for various reasons I still struggled. I, I was just married for 14 years, and, you know, 15 years when my son was Bar Mitzvah. And I still struggle with, with davening with the minion all the time myself. And here I was having a son that, was, that I was putting on his, uh, um, you know, getting his tefillin and his bar mitzvah on the Yibachazakim, and of course he has to go to davening. And, you know, I didn't want to be that father that, you know, I was closing the door of my study to davening to while I sent him to shul. I sat down with him, it was very it was difficult for me, but I'm so grateful till today that I did it. I sat down with him, and I said, uh, Maish, I, I struggle with, uh, I struggle sometimes with going to minyanim, and you're being bar mitzvah, now it's your turn also to start going to minyan. I have a great idea, let's do this together, this minyan thing. Let's do it together. And I'm i just I'm just telling you, my, from my own personal experience, I never felt an ounce of, of respect missing. You know, when Kailash is saying that, it's even more. You know, I don't know what would have been if I took a different approach,
1: Okay, next up, I want to cheer for that conversation right <laughs> As the, a sports player, in my mind, my work mind, as a sports player who scored a touchdown against the team I rooted for as a youngster, his name was Flipper, doesn't matter his last name, and after he scored a touchdown to beat my, the team I liked as a youngster in the playoffs, He ran into the end zone, and normally you stop and celebrate your team. He didn't break stride and just ran straight into the locker room. All the other players are celebrating, and where is Flipper? He's gone. They say he just like ran home. He didn't break stride, he runs right. Zone, into, so we call it like after a guy says something like I sunshine, we call it like flippering. She dropped the mic and like run out. <laughs> just flipper, like you, Josh, you feel me. You no, know? you just want like I did like a night <laughs> with That conversation, I came to hear I sunshine tonight. With that conversation with My and anybody who knows Mysh, he married one of my best friends' daughters, the Ben Tyra, tremendous, beautiful Ben Tyra. A conversation like that produces event clarity. So, for that story
2: alone, the night was validated. Fourth attempt at section two. <laughs> <laughs> Material necessities versus luxuries and children keeping up with the jumps. So, I think the questions first are general and then to get into details. We'll just read four questions. What should our approach be regarding materialism? The world keeps pushing the extremes. And how do I respond when my child asks me why this yeshiva dinner, Toro Soro convention, and a good convention all seem so fancy? Number two is how do I handle children asking for toys, gadgets, clothes, and trips that I view as unnecessary, but many of their friends have And number three is when making a decision, so this is on the flip side, someone's being careful about other people, when making a decision regarding my child, to what extent must I take into account how it will impact others? And number four is money aside. If money's not an issue at all, where do I draw the line between making my kid happy, showing them my, my love, versus giving them anything they want, and thereby continuously raising the bar and doing them a disservice? I want to. I want to address. Well, the
1: questions have been really special. They reflect the incredible community that we have. I want to address two of these things that I feel very, very passionate about. I want to be mocked in that one of the beauties of our community is its simplicity. Kedushim are relatively simple. The, the, the general simplicity, the, the houses, the whole nature, and I appreciate and love it. But please, what I want to say is something that matters the world to me. I want to share something. My friends are here. This feels like a Thursday night feel. And I, I have to say something to everybody here. When we, when we learn Tyre with our children, our family, and reject the world and ignore the world, and don't acknowledge that the Torah addresses the world, I think, I think that ignoring the world leads to tremendous, tremendous indulgences in the world. And I think the most important thing, the world is beautiful. And there's so many nice things. They have a place. Beauty and beautiful things and fanciness has a place. Set up beautifully on Shabbos, beautiful table, beautiful things. Show our family that there's a place for beauty. The shuls in the city look nice. It's so important. There was gold and silver in the of HaMegdash. There was tons of gold. You think like a Hungarian, built the base it's all of us, it doesn't belong to one section of Klal Yisrael. Teach your family there's a place for beauty. The beauty of the world, it's the first pasuk in the Torah, the world was created, Yisrael, the If you don't teach them, if we don't teach ourselves and our family, I think environments that ignore the world, are most at risk for indulgence in the world because they don't learn a place for the world. There are massive confusions as they beautiful things like, what is that that's all bad? No, no. There's beautiful things in the world. Teach your family at events, at a Shabbos that should be sparkling and stunning. A semcha, a chasna, the beautiful chasnas. You know why? Because the mishpacha is important because a family is getting married. The best question in your home should be, why is the China coming out? It's not Shabbos. The the China's wonderful, beautiful, nice things are wonderful, because they have a place. They should ask, it's not Shabbos. You know why your convention's beautiful? Because we're near our Gedolim. Of course it should be beautiful. What do you think beauty was created for? Because it's Shabbos, and Shabbos next to Gedolim. The pais can bring this Shabbos, Is supposed to have two extra dishes. It's not a joke. It should be a magnificent soda. If we teach our families and ourselves the place for beauty, the place for nice things and beautiful things, they won't ask, what is that? They'll ask, it's like Shabbos today, that's the most delightful question. It's Chanukah. We ate in the diner room. My wife put us in the dining room. We put up nicer stuff. This there, says, it's not Shabbos. It's not Shabbos. It's Chanukah. Let's learn about Chanukah. There's a place for beauty. There's a place for wonderful things. Teach our mishpachas each thing. This world's not a place of bad stuff. If I don't get it, they're indulging. It's a beautiful world. Admit to your children, Hashem made a beautiful world. You're supposed to have beautiful fields that you should play on by recess. It's supposed to be that way. The, the values we have are things have a place. Put them in the right places at the right times. Teach our children that. There's a place for it, the correct place for it, a beautiful place for it. Teaching this, there's so many in Yad, and as kids get older, I have met kids that think Typhus, the fact that they have desire, I've met teenagers, think it's like the dark place of themselves. That's crazy. That's a tragedy. They think they have like a dark spot. They have Typhus. It's the holiest place. You have who's one day you're supposed to get married. It's wonderful things in their place. If I can't, the reason some things are wrong is because that's so bad a place. It's not Shabbos. The reason he shouldn't look and that's not the place for Taiva. It's it's at a place. Teach the proper place. It's a beautiful world, Hashem made. And when our families see wonderful things, the only question is not Shabbos. They know its place. They know where it belongs and when it belongs. That's in terms of question one. In terms of question nine, get sets you off also. Question nine was, by making a decision regarding my child, to what extent Must I take into account, that will impact others. A father once said to me, there was a sechzuch, his son, a little fight, his son and another son. So a father said, I'm not biased to my son. So I told him before, you're a sick man. (laughs) Be biased to your children. I'm a principal. I've had many an angry mother get upset at me about something. I appreciate when they're angry representing their son. I don't want them being, under. well, I understand as a school. You don't understand me. Just understand your son. Be biased to our children. Be an advocate and be biased to your children. It's very dangerous when we're not biased to your children. It's dangerous. I'm not talking about being a bad person. Kind, gentle, nice, nice to principles, please. But I'm just saying, be biased to your child. It's healthy. We're born as, we're created by Hashem as an advocate. To, 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 his, to, to our children, we're supposed to be that way. Please be biased to your children in every which way. It, a nice person, you're nice. Always stay nice in your bias, but be biased to your children. I think that question is important. I recently had a situation. Somebody very close to me's child was kicked out of the school, and the person started like explaining the school to me. I, was, I, I, I gave it to them hard. there at sad. So they took it back, and then they advocated for their child, and became closer to their child, the, the most, the greatest ever they had in their life expressed. They got, they got biased as they should be. Stop being so fair. That doesn't mean to be mean, but it means you were designed to be a child's parents.
0: Just a few practical Nakudas regarding the two. All these questions about how much to give our children, toys, gadgets, clothes, trips that I view as unnecessary. And the last, question 10 here, money aside, where do I draw the line between making my kid happy, showing my love versus giving them anything they want and thereby continuously raising the bar? There's a lot of pieces to this. I just want to say a few very, very practical things. It's very important for us, by the way, to realize that our children are not carbonized of our canoes. They live, our children live in a world, and the norm of that world is what they need. I'm not sure, children asking for toys, gadgets, clothes, and trips that I view as unnecessary, but many of their friends have them. There might be a in mean, If Many of their kids have them. That may make it necessary. Now, if somebody can't afford it and they don't know what to do, okay. If you don't like, that's always a new fad, and there's a gadget, and now they're, then they're pushing the buttons on those things. You know what I mean? Those rubber things. And they're, you know what I'm talking about, right? And uh, you know, there, there's this gadget and that, and you know, and everyone always has to get the gadget. If you don't like it, so maybe it's the rabbanim's fault. Maybe we need to work work on that if that's an issue but it's not your children's fault. And for them to go to Yeshiva Katana, and they're the only one that doesn't have it because have it, their parents are Kanoim, to Rachmanis on those kids, leave it for other Kanoim. If, if everyone has it, so then it becomes itserot. I'm just going to like, if the class has something, that's, uh, that, that, that would be itserot. I think that's, but there's also another piece here that are that, that's, that's interesting how do I respond when my child child asks me why is yeshiva dinner, Torah Mesora convention, and Aguda convention all seem so fancy? I have a theory. My theory is that there's not a kid on this planet that would ask that question. If <laughs> that they're hearing. But it's an opportunity for me to for me to bring up, I think, a very, very important Nikuda. Rabbi and I are, both of us, both of us, I, I haven't been Rabbi Keilish's Shabbos student in many, many years, but I am 100% certain that this aspect of our Shabbos student is not the same, and that is that when, when a debate starts, in my house, very often I'm guilty of starting the debate, but when a debate starts by the Shabbos table, I value the fact that there's a debate by the Shabbos table. In other words, should I go to conventions and be fancy? You know something? I'll be honest with you. I'm not on it, and I am thrilled not to be asking that question. It's not Megayah. But you know what I am happy about? I'm happy to discuss and to tumble about a question like that with my children and to use it as an opportunity for them to express themselves and to see what they think and to show them that, we, that different people around the table could disagree about things. They don't necessarily have to be on the same page. That we can have munas hachamen and trust that the G'daylom are doing things right and we can still have an honest conversation about what we would do and what makes sense to us without it wrecking our Yiddishkeit. That we could have a debate and at the end of the suda, like, so what's the answer? That's a good question. Yes. What's more important to me is that all of you sat around the table and debated about it. We had by our, by our Shabbos table, um, this, this debate actually happened the first Shabbos that Moish brought his Kala home. She was a little uh, overwhelmed from it. We started a big de- 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 debate. I, I do think it was my fault that debate. There was the thing. I don't know if you remember, there was a big thing during Shemitah that they were saying that you could buy for a few dollars, you could buy a little piece of Eretz Israel and be Mekayim Shemitah. Remember that? We, oh my goodness, my family, married, unmarried, children, adults, it was like, it was like, it was loud. People were screaming. Everyone loves each other. But it was like, And it was so interesting to see my Philly, child with his shita, he held it's a great idea, my Berlin child with his shita, terrible idea. You know, it was interesting, I and mean, they went at it, and at the end, I have no idea, and we have another seven years to discuss it, but, but, but I love that there was a conversation. So if your child indeed asks about why his yeshiva dinner is so fancy, the are yeshiva worrying about it, but Tantalo, what do you think about that? I'm curious, what's your opinion about it? Oh, you think it's too fancy? That's so interesting. And what about maybe I'll tell what, it could be fancy? Oh, what, oh! so nice to have this conversation with you. I hear that that's what you think. Rabbi Kalish would take it a step further, and I've learned this from him. Rabbi Kalish would, if it would come up, if his Yisrael mayor would say something like this by the Shabbos table, the entire community would know it, <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Shalosh like or would say, that's Yisrael Meir's shita. And, goes, and I,
0: I, I, I've imitated that. I love that. I love that. And at home, and more important for the home, that Yisrael Meir goes walks around, you know, like his, 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 his he has he has a shita, you know, he has a shita. People have shitas, you know. There's the Mayyetzos Gedali. I tell you, this tiring. This, this, this Meir,
2: <laughs> you know, this, and that's what we want. He has an opinion,
0: and his opinion matters. I,
2: think it's, I know it wasn't the point of the question. There's question but number uh, 17. We just addressed the content. <laughs> <laughs> can we read it? Wow. <laughs> there are many legitimate discussions that take place about <laughs> issues <in matters laughs> of cashew <laughs> or <laughs> matters related to meistness in the community and cross-collis from. Many of these sensitive and nuanced discussions, and if we're not careful, can cause confusion and our cynicism. How do we shield our children from such discussions? Is it ever appropriate to make children aware of these issues? in these areas that we think need to be fixed? So I think you know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so let's put it on the record one. that we did question seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, so uh, section number three is on. Uh, encouraging full potential versus the risk of overpressure. So these are really one question, but they're, they're asked in different details, which brings out the question well, I think. So we'll read all that. How do we know when we should push our children <clears throat> They are not ready to be pushed or need a break from the pressure. Is there a danger that when you put them out, they'll become complacent and not go to where they should be? Number two, I live in our so when it comes to outside of school, should we be putting demands on our children beyond the letter of the law? My daughter wants to wear pants in the house, but I don't want her to. Do I continue to push the issue? Next one is, if a buffer drinks every so often in yeshiva to help himself, to help get himself involved and less inhibited. As a parent, I am concerned when my son, son drinks, how should I react? And the last one is should a girl be pushed to doubt in school in house? I wanted to address, I wanted to talk to you for a
1: few minutes. That question 14, I think, was a very good discussion. And this is something I I want to just talk about this question. (laughs) The question 14. If a bacher drinks every so often in yeshiva to help get himself involved and less inhibited, as a parent, I'm concerned my son drinks, how should I react? I like that in the question, I like that the questioner knows why people drink. To help himself get involved, a less inhibited, and and I want to say that that the response to a person drinking, to a person certainly, I do not like youngsters to drink at all. I try to say for older people not to drink as well, to really stay away from behaviors like that. Typically on Shabbos, is an Indian tabyayin, an Indian for kiddush maybe tabyayin on a yom on a pseudo. but I want to say that that the, the question of the reason people drink is they're very uncomfortable. And we have a big say in whether our kids are drinkers. And a lot of our relationship and connection and a lot of understanding our youth, <coughs> really understanding the child. When parents think about the soya of addiction, which is this question of drinking, and they think about the soya, we have, some say, a lot of addiction is not being in touch with self. But the mark of an addict is a tremendous disconnect from self. We spoke earlier about dropping your guard to your children. I think many people, I, I have many friends here who can improve in this. Dropping their guards to their kids, being more human. And dropping your guards to your kids. The icrasuggy of addiction is somebody's not in touch with self. That guy right, Sunshine and I have spoken about the topic of addiction. It's relevant to anybody here, whether you struggle with it or not. It's relevant to every human being. We have spoken about the question issue for years. We both read up a lot on it. We both have a lot of questions. And we, from time to time, update each other, our own discoveries about addiction. Addiction is, and the reason a kid drink, a group of yeshiva guys drink on a Friday night, they are uncomfortable. That's a big problem to be uncomfortable. They're sitting in a group of people. The reason why a group of Yeshiva guys drink, my son described me, it was somewhere on a Friday night. He said I was the only sober guy there. He was sober because he was comfortable to be with the other guys. And he learned how to start in uncomfortable situations, have the confidence, and then the learning of self, being in touch with self, being secure with yourself. Us as families being in touch with ourselves, don't use alcohol, don't use any. Get in touch with your own emotions and feelings and sense of so, self. my Sunshine describes his family table where they're fighting and arguing and it's encouraged. And each one's opinion matters and counts and is wanted and drawn out. One of the first things my Red taught me is that his father, on every single shyly ever asked his father, he said, feel what do you hold? That was like Chenoch 101. What's inside of you? Bichil, Bichil, father. What's inside of you? What are you, woman? And being comfortable with ourselves and allowing our children to be comfortable. There should be an absolute war against wine. Nothing to do with wine. But an absolute, tremendous effort in our homes for awareness of self, for a comfort level. And by us knowing our kids, understanding our children, Relating to our children, that's how we're solving the wine problem. So I like that he understood that if the kid drinks to get himself involved and less Inhibited there's a big thing we can do about it. We're not passive to such a problem If our kids drinking, what should I do? There are things we can do. We should first of all get more in touch with ourselves And let him go. There's a guyish thinker who famously said the opposite of addiction is connection The opposite of addiction is connection and connection to ourselves, and connection to others. So I think in all of our homes, we can promote a very, a good bottle of Yayim for Shabbos is wonderful. On Yantim, it's a Mitzvah de that's wonderful. But I think we can promote very, very healthy homes by being emotionally aware ourselves and promoting that in our children, nuance, details of emotions in ourself, and then we are creating an environment that will be in a big crowd we will not need Yayim.
0: First of all, thank you, Rabbi Kalish, for mentioning the the dreaded addiction word. It's very important that we that we not be afraid to address it and to talk about it. The only way that we're going to be able to deal with it and prevent it, and you know, in, in especially when we're dealing with younger children, that there's work that could be done to lay the groundwork that they shouldn't be susceptible later on. Is if we're if we're aware of it, so I'm very grateful. For There are a few questions here, 11, 12, and 13, that they're all great, great questions. I want to point out, like a Tzad HaShavah that's a very, very important nekuda in Chinuch, and it's a very, very, be honest, it's a very difficult thing. It's maybe like the crucible of Chinuch, what I'm about to, to, to explain. Question 11 is, how do I know when to push my children? Should I be afraid that if I don't push enough, they'll become complacent and not grow enough? Incredible question. Question 12, la outside of school, should we putting, be putting demands on our children? Excellent question. Question 13, my daughter wants to wear pants in the house but I don't want her to. Do I continue to push the issue? Also very, very good question. Is a nekuda that binds all of these questions together. And this is where it's at, this, this question. And that is, why am I being machanach my child in this area? Is it possible that I'm pressuring my daughter to dress a certain way because it makes me uncomfortable when she doesn't dress that way? Is it possible that I'm pushing my children to be a certain way because it's important to me, for me, to have children that are a certain way. And if, and by the way, if that's the case, that would make you normal. That's a normal Nisayan to have. Because we identify very, very deeply with our children. And not only do we identify deeply with our children, but our friends, you wanna know if they're judging you based on your children? They are. They're shallow, but they are. But, but that doesn't, but that, and that's why I said it's the crucible of chinuch. This is what we have to work through inside, that when I'm a my child, there is one cheshben and one cheshben only, and that is what is the best step forward for this child. If there's one thing that I would have a ha'arah on about these magnificent questions, it's my daughter wants to wear pants and the house, but I don't want her to. Mikaelish is not as cynical as me, but if you don't mind for a minute, too bad if you don't want her to. That's not the question of whether or not you want her to or you don't want her to, because Hashem decided that she should be your daughter. And now that she's yours, you have to make a decision what is the best step forward for her Yiddish guide. And maybe you have to think about the rest of the mishpacha. Maybe you have to think about other boys, other girls. There's a lot of chesbainus. But what's motivating me here is not I want to have a home that looks this way. I and it's a deep thing. I want my children. I always dreamed that my children should be a certain way. Many years ago, we, we had a schuz when Rav was still in the base medrash. We we the yeshiva finished the home section and we made a siyum at the yeshiva dinner, we made a seal on the homoceptic sugars And there was a bacher in the yeshiva from Eretz Yisrael and his mother came from Eretz Yisrael because her son was making a seal. This son was struggling, and that's what he was doing in the United States, but more importantly for what I'm trying to say now, the mother was struggling. And over the year, when I would talk to her on the phone, she would tell me, this is not how I expected my son to turn out. This is not what I was dabbing for. And what we worked on together, and it's not, it's not always easy, it's important that we don't just, you know, knock in an unfeeling way of a mother that feels that way. You know, she was raised a certain way. Her father, of the to get you know, like it was a, a very, you know, it was very hard for her, but what we worked on is thinking of not thinking about what her expectations were, what her family expects, what she thinks, what she needs, all those things are not the question. The question is where does Hashem want this child today? That's the only question. So and I think that's negate to all of these things. Should I pressure my child or should I be complacent? One thing we can agree on without any status whatsoever that I cannot pressure my child because his friends are going to his this afternoon to learn and he's staying home and reading Harry Potter and therefore, it bothers me that my friend isn't doing what his friends are doing, that my son isn't doing what his friends are doing. If that's the reason I'm pressuring, don't be angry at yourself, it's an avaydah, but you have work to do, we have work to do. We have to work on uprooting that my agenda on the heilig and the shamas Hashem gave me shouldn't be any other agenda other than what this what this child needs. And yes, there are times that we should be pushing our children. There's something about the word pressure that I don't. I'm a little bit allergic to. I think it's uh, I think it's in my game for today's world that we we overpressure sometimes. So I'm a little bit you know I I'm a little bit nervous to use the word to use the word pressure. I would rather use the word encourage, be mechanic, work with impress upon, I don't know, figure it out. You look at the uh, look at the dictionary. But but the word pressure is a little bit of a of a, of a strong word to say because it sounds it sounds unfeeling and without taking into account where the child is. It's just the way the word sounds. But yes, sometimes it's a time to, to make a demand. It does happen sometimes. And I have to know my child very, very well to be able to make that, to be able to make that call. Is this something that I should let go or not? But again, main thing is the starting point is why am I making my call? What's pushing me? What's pressuring me? My child is making—I know this is favorite, one of his favorite topics. My child is making noise in shul. Okay. Okay. So I don't want my children to talk in shul, and I have to think about how I'm going to be mechanic, for my child not to talk in shul. But if the entire reason why I'm doing it is because I'm embarrassed because I see the guy sitting next to me disapproving me, disapprovingly, looking at my child while he has a gun pointed at all of his children who are sitting like ducks in a row in a single file, then I'm sorry. Then, um, then th- that's not the place to start. My child is levitic and hanging from the chandeliers, that's my child. Thank you Hashem for giving me this child, that's my child. I have to figure out how to raise them to have a era from a mix Okay, well, how how am I going to go about doing that?
2: Okay, I know it's late, so we have two options. Should we, should we do section four, which is talking about positivity, of our favorite topic, but um, or section six, because we didn't get the younger children' questions too much. Okay, so we'll do section four first. On <laughs> OK, so the, the question on, on Section 4. is: she shivas like Waterbury have led the way raising awareness of concepts like acceptance and respect for children who have different journeys. It's probably safe to say that most parents start out with high aspirations for their children When some of our children do not turn out to have some of our children do turn out to have different journeys, should we feel like we're in a situation? If so, how do we prevent that feeling from negatively impacting the child? If not, are we compromising on the high aspirations we started with? In other words, if we if we uh, make it as if it's look up are we making them think that everything's okay? I want these will be my closing
1: my closing words that I think that I that I wanna we had starting words, we had a lot of conversation and we've heard amazing things from my sunshine, incredible things. But th- I want to close with this question and then we'll Rai Sunshine will close with uh, question numbers, uh, number six. For many years, Ray Sunshine and I are known. I put myself with him. It's, it's, You see tonight that it's inappropriate, but it makes me feel that a lot of people in our houses have pictures with them and Gedaliah. What you're trying to say to every visitor to the house? I, I, you might not know me. Just look who I'm with. <laughs> to make sure you have a picture with them. That. It's a So I in say, but I want to share for many years we're known as because ah, They're very lenient. And if that you know, accepting, understanding the question the question said, like Waterbury is a place of a lot of acceptance, led the way in the concepts of expect acceptance, respect for children, different journeys. And and that's what that's what we're known. We have a reputation, reputation of being like a certain acceptance, understanding, lenient, and that's that's what we're very known. I want I want to I want to share something that's that's important. If that's you know people people know you for something. Maslota, d'ishmak, a nice thing, and. And, and, you know, fact, that's wonderful. But if, if, we, if we help create acceptance and understanding, excellent. But I want to share something that's, that's important to me, and I want to share this with everybody here. It will answer many of the questions I asked tonight. It addresses what Rabbi Sonnenschein just spoke about, motives for the old chinuch of our children. It will address, like Rabbi Sonnenschein said, a lot of our conversation of chinuch really counts as we used to say, to share every Shabbos together. We'd set a share together on chenach, and it was all really talking. We're talking about me and you. Chenach, my son just means me. Rabt says our children are our deepest thoughts. When a person has a kid off the derrick, it means a piece of him is off the derrick. Our children are us. We speak about chenach, we're talking about me and you. So I want to share this with everybody here and tell you a little secret about what it has nothing to do with acceptance. Even nice to the struggling guy. It's not really about that. I want to tell you a secret. I want to share this with everybody here. In Eretz Yisroh, I'm going to go in two weeks, we have a Shabbos here. And on this Shabbos, there are people that are finishas, <clears throat> no and there are guys who are struggling to keep Shabbos on the same Shabbos. Somebody asked, I don't get you, Waterbury people, how are you all on the same Shabbos? Okay, what is it? How can the same Shabbos inspire you and you? And I want to say, Rabbi I this all our questions. I want to say this point. That we value this truth, sincerity. We're very secure with the connection to Hashem that's sincere, authentic, and true. When somebody's very insecure, with in all our relationships, we have to be secure. When a person's secure with their relationship to Hashem, and Tyra, they don't fall for a lot of insecurities. Somebody asked of Steinman about yeshiva being very selective and only a certain type gets in. And then Steinman very publicly said, he described him in the Rizkirah being in yeshivas of all different types. He didn't even relate to like this, some sort of sense, only this type, ignore this type, he's dangerous. He was, he called it gaivah, he was very fire against it. In a world that values truth, sincerity, and realness, I, I can look all from. I can stand here. I can chuckle hard. It's very hard to daven with sincerity. Everybody knows that. To daven realness, talk to Hashem, Real is very hard. I, have met, I, I said to a Bach recently, I criticized him, that he doesn't come to David's. He said, I talk to God all the time. He said, I struggle with public prayer, and I struggle with prepared prayer. I speak to Hashem all the time. I was so intimidated. Do I speak to Hashem all the time? I was so moved by this person. It asked me, like, you start telling me, oh, you're just, you're being nice, you're even to struggle. What are you talking about? We just want real. In the world of real, I don't feel how different he is from him. We all have a struggle, all of us, every human being, to be honest to serve Hashem with sincerity, to call out in honesty, to serve Hashem with realness, is all our human struggle. And we're Zayichem, we have a Torah, and all of us are trying to be authentic. When we try to be authentic, it's not a trick, like be nice to those guys, it's me, it's you, it's him. When we're secure and seeking truth, we're very similar. I don't look at the Shabbos, that there's such a range. They're all yidden. They're all people trying, I don't know who's more real. I don't know who's the most honest in the room. I don't know, I look at this room. I don't know who's the most honest in the room. We're all human beings trying to serve Hashem with sincerity. <coughs> a guy came to me a, a couple of months ago, shaking like a leaf. He wanted to return an item he stole. I shook from the guy. He was shaking. I stole this. Please return it to the owner. He was honest. I walked away. I felt so little. He was honest. It was embarrassing to do. He stole. And he has a mitzvah d'araisa. I don't know if I do my mitzvahs with that sincerity. You know what it means to come to somebody I stole? And I want to give it back. I don't want to be a ganiv. I want to be an emesikiyin. I don't know if I can be in the same room as such a person. That's honest, that's real, that's authentic. No other motive, but it's right and it's true. I'll embarrass myself and give up my standing for what's true. That's what Waterbury's about. It's about a world of honesty and sincerity. In that world, there's a lot of place for a lot of people. You don't have to be insecure. It's a secure, comfortable world. We're in MS, this room for all. I, he doesn't threaten me. I'm trying to be real and he's trying to be real.
2: I can hug him.
1: There's room. There's much more room. That's the world we're demanding. It's very demanding. It's crazy demanding. It's hard to be truthful. We can hide behind other things in our own lives, in a of our children. When there's sincerity and we ask, what does I need? What does this child need? What does my next child need? you could tune out a lot of noise and a lot of other types of pressures and a lot of other types of insecurities. In a world of MS, it's very secure and comfortable and you don't struggle. And it's not a world where you're being nice. To, that's not what Waterbury is. This is not about being nice to like the outside. It's about him and me both pursuing honesty. And I'm secure enough, my relationship to Tyra. My relationship to Hashem, my relationship to Yiddishkeit is secure and very comfortable in that place. So what comes out is acceptance. It comes out. It's not what the revolution is, my friends. Look at the room. We have it's a it's a from a place. It's so extreme from Kite. It's I don't know if you met that and I hear people say it doesn't bother me, it's not defensive. He, he's accepting, maybe he's a maker. Look at his children, B'nai tire. I him once in one, a while, The son in love. He for the other beautiful mishpacha. What I don't he's a maker on truck Where is it? You will like this a Beautiful B'nai Taira, the highest B'nai tire. I don't mind, it's not a defense. That's not what where you miss the Sunnya. It's not about tolerance, acceptance. Those are good things. Spread it. If that spread it, it's not what it's about. It's not what it is. If you miss the boat, it's about sincerity. It's about authenticity. In a world of authenticity, how can you have a Shabbos dinner? Hey, you know who's more modest, right? Son and Shine You know his design. It's about honesty. In that place, it makes room for everybody. Many people in the world of insecurity, another guy ran. Half of white people are running because they're just looking for MS. MS has room for the whole world. It has room for everybody. And this is the Nikud of our own Chinach. It's a very secure place. You don't have to keep up with the Jones. You don't have to worry about the neighbor, this one, that one. In the world of authenticity, understanding each child, and ourselves, we're human. And we have insecurities. You and I, a lot of insecurities. If we could start plugging in, this is a city, and a yeshiva, that's a tired place that's plugging into something that produces security. When I slowly smile, figure myself out, and plug into something authentic, you become a very healthy, secure person. I relate, all of us relate to insecurities. When your kids are a certain way, this and the and that, does the neighbor have the same one? Does him, does that one? Everybody's a different person. Let's understand, let's be mechanic from a beautiful place, a secure place. All of us should be safe for ourselves and our children to plug into a world of MS in that world of MS, there's rooms for all our children because the ultimate, the one who's Chaysameh is MS, created that child and me and you. In that world, there's plenty of room. In that world, we're Mechanic from a very authentic place. That's the revolution of this Makkum, this holy place. Now, look at the success. Look at this room. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people. Sincerity, sincerity. We all have struggles. for are human. That's what it means to be human. The inclusivity is not like a it's, it's not like a like a certain like job called Kiru, like those guys, those guys, this guy's us, beautiful yidmi. In that world of MS there's a lot of room to raise sincere sons and daughters. Beautifully happy, <coughs> healthy homes that are loyal servants. I strongly
0: debate it, not not addressing Rabbi Kalish's over-the-top remarks about me, because I was afraid that if I address them, that, um, that really my kabona is, I want to remind you about them. I'm afraid that I enjoyed it so much the first time, that while I'm being moicha, everyone will keep in mind together, Rabbi Kalish said nice things about me. But I really think it's important to say this macha Because it brings out, I think, the Sayyid of Chinuch that I think I want to end with, that we can learn from Rabbi Kailash, because you'll see in a moment, and you'll know that what I'm saying is true, that this alone, the way that he treats the person that's sitting next to him on a stage, is itself a grand act of Chinuch. When I say act, I don't mean an act, I mean it's an action of Chinuch. Pastor Shalom was no act. there's a story they say, I don't remember all the details of the story, but they say that Rabkiv and a bunch of other Gedolin were sitting around the table and they had a kasha. And all the Gedolin, the Gedolin Adar, they were handling this kasha, they could not come up with the terrace. And they were, they were stumped. It was a and Gadol. A Bachar came into the room, one of the Bachar that was taking care of his Gedolin. And Rabkiv said, Look, Zagat terrace, Here's the kasha, Zagat Terrors, say a terrace. So the Bachar said, a terrace a stunned. the so somebody said if Re Vega would tell a stone to say a Terence, it would say a terence but there's an imic to that and it's a very big mistake The Imic is that when you feel like someone is being yodayim, that someone truly believes that you're up to the task it gives you kaychas that you didn't know you had. And and it gives you courage to reach levels in your own life that you cannot even have dreamed of because you weren't dreaming there. And this is a fact, whatever Mikaelish said, you should just know the mitzvahs. And there may even be people in this room that could be made, that I'm not making this up. And that is that all of us that came to Waterbury, that became rabbeim here, that told and eventually, as time went on and and we, we grew up and we, took on different responsibilities. He was the driving force behind telling us Zogat Heretz. I consider myself a Mechaneich because Rabbi Kalish calls me a Mechaneich. I was very successful for a while. I used to come to the Misifta. I still miss those days. I used to come to the Misifta to uh, take walks with guys. And I realized I was incredibly successful sometimes that I was trying to figure out what was happening. That doesn't make sense. Like, I'm not a magician. And I realized that Mikaelish was telling the guys before I came, "You have no idea who's coming. It's going to solve all your problems. By the time I walked in, it was like, I, I, I could have been Harry Potter himself, you know? I waved a wand, I, 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 you know? But this, isn't that itself such an unbelievable, isn't that itself such an unbelievable yesaid of how you could see something in someone and, and energize it? And call them out on it, and to say you could do this, and I think that I think that it's just, it's maybe the the way that we could end off. I know we didn't get to the details. I don't think it's time to get to the details of, of, of section six. That's why I didn't. Uh, that's why I jumped in before you read them. But uh, no secrets, by saying we get to that next time. I was no? thinking that we, the last two answers were such a
2: plunge. We could we have to so, so this is the this is the Nakudim
0: that, that, that I want I, to I end with by reminding myself and reminding everyone here when it comes to our children, our Talmidim, our friends, we can have such an impact on our friends, that we, we're friends, and I feel like I owe my life to Rabbi Kalish because he told me, you're a Machanach, he told me things like, I learned from you, and it affected me, and it brought things out in me that I don't think would have come out. I would not, I am 100% sure that I would not be sitting here today if not for those, those comments and conversations and chizuk. And I think that it's something that we should take home to our, to our children. Not that it's our job to decide what our children will be, or what kind you know, that's not, that's not necessarily our job. We have to, they, have, they have a journey, they have to find themselves, what their makkah in mean, the world is but it is our job to tell our children that they have a special place that they occupy in the world, that Kal Israel can't exist without them. Maybe that's a little too, too broad. Maybe we should tell them the honest truth, which is that we can't exist without them, that we need them and we want them and we value them and that they're an asset to the family. Any child that walks around feeling like I am an asset to my family, is in another world in Chinuch than a child that doesn't have that feeling. Let's go home and let's teach our children how much we value them and respect them <coughs> and what an asset they are to us, how much we need them. And Amir Tzahshem, we should be Zaycha to watch them grow tremendously. Yashakayach. <laughs>